All right, you guys, welcome. Sorry for the momentary delay. I just figure we all ate lunch, and then we got to like find the room, and then you want to find your buddy that you sit with, and then somebody's going to yell down the hallway, and so like, why well, sit on time, right? Um, but this is inconvenient Jesus. So hopefully you're in the right place. If you're in the wrong place, that's just terribly inconvenient, and that's what this is about. So you could say, I'm really punny, and I've had, like, very little sleep, so I apologize in advance because, like, all the jokey puns might come out. Um, But for real, this topic is something it's near and dear to my heart. Um, It's one of those that I feel like the Lord really taught me. And then, um, you know, as I've been walking with the Lord he's like taught me this lesson again and again and again because I don't know about you guys but like I can be kind of hard-headed so I feel like the Lord has to teach me things multiple times and then I'm like oh I get it you know and a year later oh I get it um and so just being willing to be inconvenienced by the Lord and so today we're gonna you know look at Luke 923 which is like the premise if you got your little scheduler where wherever they put that that you guys read the breakout descriptions um, I don't really know. I didn't see that. But in Luke 9.23, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're just going to break this down, and we're going to look at Scripture. And there's going to be like a little bit of personal story, because that makes things more interesting. Um, we're just going to break down that verse today, right? So whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Um, and so we're just going to kind of talk about that. Like, what is it to be a true Christ follower? Because um, we use the word Christian, or we use the word follower of Christ so freely, I feel like. Um, but if we're really, really determined to follow Jesus, you know, what's that going to look like for us? And so if you don't take anything else away from this, right? Nothing else. Um, this is what I want you to get. Cool. Following Christ comes from truly knowing how much Christ loves you and from loving him in return. So to follow him, you have to know that you're loved by Jesus, and then you have to love him as a response. Not just love Jesus because we say, I love Jesus. That's really easy to say. But you have to know his love for you and then um, respond to that love with your love, okay? And then it comes from a place of intimacy and relationship with him. So we're not going to follow Jesus. We're not going to know Jesus Um, if we don't have that relationship, if we don't have that intimate time with him, if we're not connecting with him, right? Because you guys, I'm married. Cool. And like, how would my relationship be if me and my husband, like we never spent time together. We never went to like lunch or dinner. We never asked each other how our day was going. Like we just went about our separate lives, but we're married. Would that be a very good relationship? No, it'd be terrible, right? Like most of you ladies, you're like, Mm-mm, some guy treat me like that. Like we're we're not getting married, right? <laughs> we're not getting married. And um, and guys, you probably feel that way too. I'm just not a guy, so I pick on ladies because I'm late. Um, but yeah, like that wouldn't be a good relationship. But so many times, that's what we do with the Lord. Like we don't have that intimate relationship. We don't spend that time. And then so, like, that's not a quality relationship, right? And we're like. We wouldn't do that to somebody we're dating or somebody we're going to marry. We wouldn't do that to, like, a child that we have someday in the future, right? So we don't want to be like God, Jesus. Um, and then through giving up everything else and pursuing Christ, that's how we find true treasure. And we're going to look at some passages on the kingdom of God um, and the hidden treasure and stuff like that. And so it's by 
pursuing that relationship with God that we find true treasure. I don't know about you guys, but that's loud. <laughs> so I'm going to shut these doors. Cool. He's like preaching. And I'm like quiet little girl that talks. And this room is really stuffy and I apologize. But this is probably like the five seconds of being warm in this hotel that you'll <laughs> just soak it up and if you start to feel like man it's hot in here just remember I'm going to freeze in just a minute um, so I'll just I'll, I'll savor it right savor it apologize there wasn't a powerpoint if there had been I would have walked all over the front of it anyway so it's just better um, but yeah so the context of our verse in Luke we're going to look at verse uh, 23 through 26 that's what happens when you shut a door Jade comes in um So he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet to lose or forfeit his very soul? Whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So you guys, as we read this passage, I feel like this is one of those... um, Verses that we hear a lot, right? In Luke 9, 23, it's like, whoever wants to be my follower, and we've heard it, right? Like, follow me, we've heard it. But when you read it in the context of that paragraph, that's heavy. Like, that's heavy. He's saying some heavy stuff. Um, So Jesus is asking a lot of us in these verses. And so we're going to break it down, look at it, um, and see what issues he's challenging us with. He's challenging us to face in this. Um... And so, like I said, this is something that the Lord has really grown me in. And um, a little bit later, I'll kind of like share a little bit more of my story. But my husband and I were missionaries at the University of Memphis. So if you're like, who is this lady? I'm Jackie. I'm from Memphis. Cool. Um, That's really all you need to know. But we're missionaries at the University of Memphis. And really, I had come to a place in my walk with the Lord that I was like, I'm following Jesus well. Um, I, like, my heart is to do whatever he asked me to do. And then here's what happened. He asked me to do something. (laughs) Right? And it wasn't just, go pray for that girl over there. She looks sad. Or, like, stop and help this person. Because I'm okay with, like, radically meeting strangers. Um, But God asked me to pick up and move my life with my husband and my kids from Knoxville, right here. Not right here, but, you know, the city. Um, And University of Tennessee to Memphis. It's only six hours. It's the same state. Right. And so I did it because I'm like, yeah, God, wherever you send us. And I got to Memphis and um, I didn't fit like I didn't fit. I still don't fit like I fit with our students. These some of our students. Um, But like in the city, in our church, like I'm literally the square peg and the round and this round hole. Like I do not fit. I go try and make friends with other moms and they're like. She raises her kids weird. <laughs> like, and I'm like, we're all Christians. Like, what? You know, like, we just do what the Bible says, teach our kids to love Jesus and follow him. And they're like, yeah, mm, you know. And, <laughs> yeah, like, and I'm like, okay, you know. And, and it's just, it's one of those things that you wouldn't think moving six hours in the same country, in the same state, right? Same language, nothing really changed. But the culture was radically different. And so in that experience, the Lord kind of had to reteach me to follow him and to trust him that, like, man, if I'm in the season and I'm in the city, and you guys, when we went to University of Memphis, 
we thought of it like we're marrying it, right? So this wasn't like, we'll go there, we'll plant the thing, we'll see how it goes, then we might move on. Like, we moved to Memphis, the commitment was like, we moved to Memphis. And unless Holy Spirit speaks, like, I will die in Memphis. Like, that is that was the way we made that commitment. And so when I got there, and I didn't fit, and it's awkward, and I, we've been there five years. It still don't fit. It's still awkward. Um, you know, I, I can remember clear as day going on a run, because I'm, I'm a runner. That's also weird in Memphis. Um, <laughs> but some of them are starting to run. It's great. Um, but I remember going on a run and just talking to the Lord, and I was like, what? What were you thinking? And you should probably say that nicely to the Lord. Um, but I'm me, and you've heard me talk for about five seconds now, so you're getting this. I'm like, Lord, what were you thinking? Like, I don't fit in Memphis. And the funny thing, you guys, is you can meet Matt. He's right down there in real Jesus. Matt fits in Memphis perfect. We're married, you would think. No, but I, don't, I just, like, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. So I'm on this run, and I'm like, Lord, what were you thinking? And I promise you, it was not audible, but as clear as day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, I didn't move you here to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And of it. There wasn't a, and, you know, in a few weeks or in a few months, no, it was just, I didn't move you here to be comfortable. And it, and it was one of those things, and then, so as things would unfold, you know, and that's heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Like these words we're talking about in Scripture, it was heavy. Um, but he spoke, right? He spoke, and that let me know that he knew where I'm at, that he understands where I'm at, because... I think when Jesus walked the earth, maybe he didn't quite fit either. So if you find yourself in a place you don't fit, you might be in good company. Um, but, but it was heavy, but it was also like he spoke and he knows where I'm at. And then every subsequent thing, and, and still, like to this day, things will happen. And people look at me like I am completely foreign. I'm like, same language, same state, right? Like everything about us should fit. But they just look at me like I'm crazy. When I'm in the city, um, and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> not comfortable. <laughs> like, um, so when this topic came up and they're saying you can talk about inconvenient Jesus, I was like, I love it, because that's really just where the Lord has had me for about five years. It's where the Lord has taught me, and just kind of through what I'm going to share with you is going to be some of the stuff He taught me before when I was like anywhere, God, and some of the stuff He's taught me since. Um, so why? Why be a Christ follower, right? In this verse, the first thing is whoever wants to be my disciple. Whoever wants to be my disciple. So why? Why be a Christ follower? So who is this Jesus anyways? To ask us to give up everything, to ask us to follow him to crazy places like Memphis. It's not that crazy. I actually really like the sea. I'm just weird. Um, And so likely you guys, you know the answer to this, right? You know the answer to this, but I'm going to discuss it anyway so we can know for sure that you know it and it's like settled in your heart. Cool? And it's settled in our minds before we move on. So we can easily answer like, well, I'm a Christ follower because I love Jesus. Because I hear that on campus all the time. Like, how did you become a Christian? Well, I just love Jesus. Okay, what does that mean? And if you say that to me, I will just keep keep asking. Um, Because I'm like, what do you mean by that? And like, why did you start loving him? And what is it about him that you love, right? And so we got to go a little deeper. And and so it's like, okay, if that's your response, I ask that question, you're like, because I love Jesus, right? But I'm going to probably, like, challenge that and push that a little bit. Um, <coughs> you guys, Jesus' love for us is incredible. It's radical. We deserve, like, if we're honest, only suffering and death and hell, right? 
Because every single one of us has done something wrong. Every single one of us has sinned, and that's that icky word that we don't like to say. And now we like to super be hip and contextualize and be like, everybody's done bad stuff, right? The Bible calls it sin, right? So we've all sinned. And um, that's important. It's important to know that because that's, that's who we are as humanity. Like, we've, we've sinned, we fall short. And um, the thing about sin is it's the opposite of all that God is, right? Because God is good. God is perfect. God is holy. And we say sin, that's like the worst of worse. Like, there's nothing worse than sin. And you might think, like, that's not really helpful. But it really is because once we understand, like, you know, who we are without him and what he has gone to the cross for, then that brings us to a place where we're like, that's why we follow, right? Um, so sin's the opposite of all that God is, all of his character, all of his goodness. And we acknowledge that we're sinners saved by grace. This isn't something we should take lightly, right? And it is one of those things, like, you memorize. If you grew up in church, you're like, I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. But we shouldn't take it lightly. Like, we should really let that sink and think about it and think what that means. Um, it should be something that completely humbles us and amazes us. That, like, even though we've done wrong, man, Jesus didn't leave us that way. Um, the more we rightly understand who we are, the more we'll be amazed at God's love and grace and what Christ has done for us, and the more we will be compelled to follow him. And so N.T. Wright, um, you guys, I read a lot, so I'm going to throw out some books. If you are a reader, jot them down and read them later. If you're not a reader, jot them down and, like, pick one to read later, okay? Um, <laughs> Because books are good. That's how you learn. The best book's the Bible. Read that first and read it always, right? But then read more books about Jesus because it helps us learn. But N.T. Wright, Simply Jesus, he says this. Jesus' death by se- was seen by Jesus himself and then those who told ulti- and ultimately wrote his story as the ultimate means by which God's kingdom was established. The crucifixion was the shocking answer to the prayer that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus died for our sins on the cross. Yes, that's what we just talked about, right? And this was an ultimate act of love. Yes, and I hear that a lot. We're just like, it was an ultimate act of love. But also, in the act of dying on the cross and then raising from the dead, Jesus established his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's the beginning of him bringing his kingdom on earth, right? And that connects to us because we're supposed to then become a part of the story of bringing the kingdom of God on earth as his people, as his followers. Um, so if you've trusted Jesus, like you've asked Jesus to be your savior and your Lord, you're already part of the kingdom, right? It's not later when we die. You're already part of the kingdom. It's more later when we die, but you're already part of it now. And you get to be part of bringing the kingdom of God on earth, right? Through following Christ. And that's pretty cool, Right? So we go from, I've sinned, I'm completely separated from God, can't even save myself, have Jesus on the cross, to not only does he love me, but like he's invited me into the family business. Like he's invited me to start doing what he does and to live like him and to be like him. Y'all, that's incredible. And if you really ever just like sit and think about it, I say I read a lot, right? But like I read a sentence and then I just sit with the Lord and I'm like, wow. So I read slowly. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's great. I'm in grad school, y'all. And so my professors were like, you ever going to finish? They're like, no. Finish this reading. Chop, chop. And I'm like, but this one paragraph. <laughs> you're like, that was in the notes like 
three weeks ago. And I'm like, but this paragraph, because it's like, you just want to soak it and really understand it. Um, so when Jesus says, follow me, he's not only talking about giving up things and dying to ourselves just to give up things and die to self, right, and make life not fun. He's asking us to do this to gain the kingdom, to be a part of his kingdom and to bring his kingdom on earth. And so this is N.T. right again, because I'm not smart. When Jesus rose from the dead on Easter morning, he rose at the beginning of the new world that Israel's God had always intended to make. That is the first and perhaps most important thing to know about the meaning of Easter. Even the story of Jesus' resurrection and his going into heaven are only the beginning of something new, something that will be completed one day, but that none of the early Christians supposed had been fully accomplished yet. So, you know, in the early church, when they're talking about this, like, they didn't think that it was all done. They're like, man, this is the beginning. And I think sometimes we forget this is the beginning. Like, we, get, we come to know Christ, and it's the beginning of, like, so much that he has for us. Um, and when he comes, when Jesus comes, as the New Testament insists, he'll bring to light all the hidden things that are now in darkness and expose the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He comes, of course, as one who died for us. There's no doubting his love. But his love is the love that wants the very best for us and from us, not the sentimental kind that doesn't want to make a fuss and so refuses to confront the thing that's actually wrong. He loves in the way that a doctor or a surgeon loves, wanting the best, working for life, dealing powerfully and drastically with the cancer or the blocked artery. And, y'all, I love that picture, right? Because a lot of times we think, man... As a Christ follower, I'm supposed to love. And so we're like kind and gooey and nice. You know what I mean? Gooey. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that gooey love. But like gooey love, is that really love? Right? Or is love the friend that is like willing to say the thing so that you can actually become a better person or you, you can actually like grow and whatever, right? Because you don't want like a gooey love surgeon, right? Like, you're like, if something's wrong, I want you to cut it out, right? And, and so Jesus loves us with that intense kind of love. And I think he calls us to that intense kind of love. That's not to say that we're, like, harsh or severe, but we're willing to speak the truth. And a lot of times, like, we hold back from sharing truth because we're like, I don't want to hurt anybody. And then, in the same way, like, you can, if they know your heart and your heart is genuinely loving, you can share truth, right? You can share truth in a loving way. Um, and so we have to do that. We have to do that. Um, most Christians in today's world have not even begun to think how calling Jesus Lord might affect the real world. And so it's kind of like where I want your mind to start to think today is to think about, man, when you said, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to be a Christ follower. Like, how does that affect your world? At what points is that having impact? Like, what is that changing? Right? Um, I have a really good friend. We did undergrad together here at UT in the city. And he used to say, like, man, we are all just, like, one dream away from being a millionaire. Like, one God idea away. Right? And, um, and, it, and it was funny because it's like he didn't really care about money. So it was, like, one of those really odd things for him to say. But, but the concept being that, like, man, like, God could give you one idea and you could make a million dollars. God could give you one idea and you could change the world. Right? He could give you one idea or lead you to one person, and by leading that one person to Christ, like, it ripples across nations, right? And so, like, a lot of times we're not thinking, like, in our actions and each thing that we do, like, how does this impact the world? And, like, what does this do, right? 
So we need to kind of be thinking that way. Um, and as we talk about following Christ, I want you guys to think about what does it truly mean for him to be Lord, right? Because a lot of times that's a word we say, but like if you think of Lord, what does that mean? And how do you practically live that out? And I think like the simplest application would be like, Jesus is Savior, so he loves us and he's kind, he's caring. But if he's Lord, that means he's boss, right? Anybody ever had a job? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Anybody ever had a good boss? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it is after lunch. Okay. Uh, <laughs> good bosses? So yes. few hands. Okay. There, there's some hands. Bad bosses? Oh. More emphatic <laughs> hands, yes. Uh, right? Jesus is a good boss, but he's a boss, right? And so we obey him. And we follow him, and we let him have control, because here's the one thing about a good boss, right? It's like, if you're in a company, do they know more about the company than you? Do they know more about how to make the company succeed than you? Yes. Yeah, if they're a good boss. If they're a bad boss, maybe not. Still respect authority, because that's biblical. But, but a good boss is going to know more. Jesus knows more, right? He sees the whole picture, not just of our life, right? Not just of Chi Alpha, right? But he sees the whole picture of, like, the world from beginning to end and beyond, right? So he really knows what's going on. And so a lot of times, even if he calls us to do something crazy, like move from Knoxville to Memphis, we don't fit, right? He sees the whole picture, and there's a reason. And so even in the times where I'm like, this makes no sense to me, that's cool, because he's got a reason, right? Um, so that's kind of what we mean by Lord. So one of my absolute favorite parables is the parable of hidden treasure. And so we're going to talk about the kingdom. Um, this is the parable in the Bible that God really used to teach me to live for what's important um, and willing to let go of things. And this is like something he started teaching me when we were here before God called us to move. Um, my youth pastor in high school used to put it this way. He would say, make your choices in the face of eternity. Okay, in the face of eternity. So if you're like, I don't know if I should do this or if I should do this, he'd say, well, like in the face of eternity, like when you look at eternity, which of those is going to matter? Right? In the face of eternity, if you meet God face to face in the future and this decision comes up, like which one is going to have mattered? Right? And which one are you going to be proud of? And really, honestly, for like a like 16, 17 year old kid, that helped me like understand choices pretty well. And when I w- was willing to think about it, man, I was able to stop and be like, does this have kingdom impact or does it really matter? You know, and it's like, if it doesn't really matter, like, you still need to put on pants in the morning. You don't have to pray about that. Um, the black pants versus, like, the blue jean pants probably doesn't have kingdom impact, right? Um, but, like, the big decisions, like, so you can just say, man, when I see Jesus face to face, like, is this going to have mattered? And I'm going to be proud of it, right? And that has stopped me of many a decision where I'm just like, I don't, I don't really want to stand before God someday. And give an account for that. Because the Bible does. It says we'll stand before God and we'll give an account for our actions and for our words. That second one, y'all, you can maybe tell I like to talk. And that haunts me a little bit, right? Because, like, someday I'm going to stand before him. But it's really stopped me. There have been moments that I'm, like, mad at somebody or something. And I'm like, and I'm just like, I I just don't really want to, nope. You know, and then just stop it. Because, like, I can, right? And I'll say no, say it. And you're like, I don't have to. (laughs) Um, and that's satisfying in itself and then let it go Um, but yeah so we make our faces in the choice or make our choices in the face of eternity 
Um, so we do what we matter when we get to heaven, and that's what this parable is about, right? So the parable is short. If you want to memorize a whole parable and say, I memorized a whole parable, this is a great one because it's like one sentence. Um, it's in Matthew 13, verses 44 and 45. It says this, Jesus tells his disciples, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. That's the whole parable, right? Kingdom of heaven is like a dude walking through a field, and he's like, right? And, and imagine if you were walking through a field, let's say, you know, this morning you got up really early, we're near the Smoky Mountains, you went hiking, right? And as you're walking to the hiking trail, you're kind of cutting through like some like farmland, because there's a lot around here, and you see some gold, but it is enough gold that, like, if you had this gold, you know, and I don't know if you guys really measure wealth in gold bars, but <laughs> you're the one person that does this, right, of all of us, because I wouldn't really know gold. This one, you find a suitcase of cash. We'll contextualize, right? And you look at it, and you realize that this is enough that, like, not only would this pay for a college, which would be great, right? <laughs> not only would this support you, like, if you get married, have a few kids for a few years, but, like, this is all... You, you would need for the rest of your life. And it's just there. Right? And that's that's what happened in this, in this parable. And so, like, dude finds this treasure. He's, he realizes, like, I could do my whole life on this. So he just hides it again. And he, and he goes, finds out who owns the field. He goes to the bank, and he buys it. Right? And as he's going through this process, I can kind of picture what it would be like, at least in, in my context, if I were to do something like this, right? And... So all of a sudden, I start selling everything, right? Everything, because I need enough money to buy this field because it has a treasure. But I don't tell anybody it has a treasure because I want the treasure, um, <laughs> right? And so I start selling things. Like, I sell my guitars. I sell all of my music equipment. I have a lot. That's what I usually do. I don't usually talk. I'm a musician. Y'all should know that. So if you're like, she is a weird talker, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, so I start selling all that, and uh, my friends are like, that's a bad decision. Like, how are you going to do your job? Because, like, I do music multiple times a week. Um, and I'm like, it's, it's cool. God's got it, right? And then, like, I take off my ring, right, which is probably the only other possession I have that's worth much. Um, but I take it off, and, and I go sell it. And my husband is like, um, what you doing? Right? Like, I gave you that. It was worth a lot. But I sell it. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. God's got it, right? Because I know, right? If I were to do that, it would be because I know what I've got. And once I buy the field, man, I can get back the ring. I could get some nicer guitars, right? Like, because I know. And that's what it's like, it says, when we seek the kingdom of God. That, like, we find the kingdom of God, and God wants us to be willing to give up everything else, Right? To obtain that, and it really does, like if we're really going to be kingdom-minded, we're really going to be Christ followers, it means giving up everything, like laying everything down at Jesus' feet, and then letting him tell us, you know, what to pick back up, but we lay everything aside for Jesus, right, but that's the best treasure of all, and then as we gain the kingdom, it's not just like it pays the school bills, right, it's not just like it pays for the next few years, as we gain the kingdom, that is all we need for life and more, and eternity, right? 
because we're going to be following Christ for a lot longer than this really short life that I've got here on earth, or you guys have here on earth, right? Um, so David Platt said this. He has a really great book, another book, Radical. Um, he says of this parable, this is a picture of Jesus in the gospel. He's something, someone worth losing everything for. And if we walk away from Jesus of the gospel, we walk away from eternal riches. And then he says this, and I love this, you guys. The cost of non-discipleship is profoundly greater for us than the cost of discipleship. I'll say that again. The cost of non-discipleship is profoundly greater than the cost of discipleship. For when we abandon the trinkets of this world and respond to the radical invitation of Jesus, we discover the infinite treasure of knowing and experiencing him. Right? And, and I think a lot of times we don't look at it that way because we're looking at right now and what we need right now. And so Christ is calling us or he's challenging us and we're afraid to let go of whatever it is we're holding on to because we're in the now, right? But if we stop and realize that, man, me holding on to whatever I'm holding on to instead of surrendering it to Jesus costs me more. Really, in the face of eternity, it costs me more to hold on to that than to let it go. Right? The cost of non-discipleship costs so much more than discipleship. Because when we follow Christ, we really gain. We gain everything we need. Um, so this brings us to a crucial question for every person that says, I'm a Christ follower. It's do we really believe that he's worth abandoning everything else for? Do we really believe that Jesus is worth giving up everything else? Um, right? And so do you and I really believe that Jesus is so good so satisfying, so rewarding that we'll leave all we have and all we own and all we are in order to find our fullness in him. Do you and I believe him enough to obey him, to follow him wherever he leads, even when the crowd or the culture or maybe even the people in our church or our Kaiapha turn the other way, right? Because sometimes we follow in a group, y'all, that's what I love about Kaiapha. I was a student in Kaiapha before I was um, on staff for Campus Pastor, cool? And that was one of the things I loved about coming to college and getting connected with Chi Alpha is because it's like I wasn't following Christ just me anymore. In high school, I didn't have a lot of Christian friends. I kind of was like radically saved um, out of a, a really sinful lifestyle. And so I didn't have a lot of Christian friends. I came to college and made these Christian friends. And like we were following Jesus together, right? But then there will be times where like even your, your group, like your crew, like God calls you to do something and they're like, mm. Are we sure about that? Right? And in those moments, we still have to be willing to follow. Right? We still have to be willing to follow. Even if it's not the popular thing or the cool thing. And, like, I hope, I hope that, like, all of you guys end up in, in like, good friendships that last. Right? So you'll have those people to call, even if you're, like, in the current moment. You know, my friends aren't encouraging me. Right? Or, or like, maybe even my, my church family. Like, they're not encouraging me to do what God's calling me to do. And you'll have those good friends to be like, nah follow him, right? Um, But even if you don't, like, even if you don't, follow him. Um, And so there's a few suggestions when we're talking about following Christ um, for ways to check our heart. And you guys, these are from Dick Brogdon. Um, And it's really funny because we've never had a conversation, but my husband and he ended up at a missions convention together where apparently there was a football game on and they all got a bunch of snacks I went and sat to watch the football game and then had this, like, deep discussion till like, 2 in the morning. 
Um, right? And, and so, like, out of the course of this deep discussion and, like, a few other things that just, it was a huge blessing to our family. And it was very timely words from God. Um, my husband came back and he, like, he's like, hey, we talked about this. And for whatever reason, it stuck. It's something that, like, when I meet girls one-on-one, we talk through these points. Like, and it's one of those things that is kept. But he calls it the three Gs. Okay? I'm going to give you my three Gs because, like I said, I'm a girl. I'm not a boy, right? Um, but the three Gs are this, right? Guys, gold, and glory. So if you're a dude, you might say girls, gold, and glory, right? Um, but, but whichever of those, right? I say guys, gold, and glory. But if you look at those three areas, he said that really helps you see where your heart is at. If your heart is following God or if it's maybe like starting to stray, right? And so like for guys... How are your relationships, would be what you're asking. Um, do they matter you, to you more than Jesus? And if you realize that, like, man, relationships are starting to matter to me more than Jesus, or I'm starting to struggle in this area and think about it more than Jesus, then, like, time for a heart check, right? Time to get it back on, on track. Because it's, like, in the following Jesus, it's kind of, like, veered, right? So you got to bring it back. And I don't know about you guys, but my heart is one that, like, we got to bring it back. Right, like like it wanders. Oh, it's like this kind of heart, and um, and I really honestly think that in Proverbs where it talks about guard your heart, right, and it talks about guard your heart. Um, if you look at the Hebrew, and a lot of times where people are like guard your heart from outside influences, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at the Hebrew and the way the words are, it's it's not. It's like the other way. Like it's like you take your heart, and you like guard it, and you put like a door around it or post like I always picture mine like I'm putting it like in jail and I'm like you can't get out because like it's deceitful above all things and so it's like my own heart wants to run this way and that and so I have to like guard my own heart right which is really funny because it's like the opposite of every teaching I've ever heard but when I started to study it that was not what it meant it meant that we guard our own heart because it's trying to get out um right and so in a lot of ways as, as Christ followers like our heart is trying to like run in all these directions and you guys like you're like, nope, follow, right, follow. Luckily, it's trainable, so, like, you can, you know, your heart gets a little better at stuff sometimes, right? So that's the guys or girls, whatever. Um, gold, right? So money is an easy way to see where your heart is. And, y'all, this is, like, the one that makes people so mad. So I love you. I'm going to make you mad. But if you're like, am I following Jesus? Am I truly following Jesus? Man, open up your bank statement, Right? Your checkbook, if anyone still does, bless you. Like, you're just in charge of your finances if you still like, right? But, like, open up your online banking on your app on your phone and and say, like, where did I spend money this month? Right? Like, look at it. Um, Because, like, you guys, it's one of those things, the first time somebody told me that, I was like, that's ridiculous. And then I found out that I worship running and I worship Starbucks. (laughs) Worship Starbucks a lot. You know, like, I was like, and, I, and I'm joking, um, worship cute clothes, particularly shoes, like, um, because, man, we spend money on what matters to us, right? And so it's like, not saying that you should never get coffee or shoes, right? Um, you need something to walk in. But if all of the money is going towards other things and none of it reflects your heart for God, right, then probably time for that heart checkup and be like, maybe I could be following in a better way. And then the third one is glory. Um, so who are you living for, right? Are you living for his glory? Are you living for your own glory? 
And I feel like we kind of talked about that last night in our big session, so I'm not going to like dig in super deep. But that is one of those things when we're doing a heart checkup and we're saying, like, am I following? Like, who, are, who am I living for? And, y'all, it's a hard one, like he said. Because we can be, like, doing the, the church thing or doing the Christian thing, high off the thing, and it still be about me and how people see me or, like, what I get out of it, right? And so we have to be, it has to be his glory is the goal, right? Um, and so one way, um, John Piper, he has a billion books, so does John Piper, but um, <laughs> one way to tell, he says is, we glorify what satisfies us. We glorify what satisfies us. So um, what do you spend time talking about? What do you spend time thinking about, right? Um, what are those things that, like, captivate you? What, what makes you feel really safe or secure, right? Because if you're satisfied by it, then, like, you naturally are going to give it glory with your life, right? Um, and, like, so we always talk about this with our students. They've probably maybe not heard about Roger in a while. But Roger. Um, <laughs> but, like, anybody ever had the friend that, like, they get their first boyfriend or their first, like, really good boyfriend in a while that they're so infatuated with? And so, like, what do they talk about? You know, okay, I don't know if dudes do this, see? Right? But you've probably still known a girl or something that's done this, or someone that's done this. But, like, you're hanging out, and you're like, let's go to the movies. And they're like, I wish we could invite Roger. <laughs> right? And, and you're like, no, no, it's a girl's night. It's a girl's night. Like... And they're like, okay, so you're at the movies or on the way in the car, and, like, she's on her phone, and you're like, what's she doing? I'm just checking in with Roger. You know, and then, like, as the movie's playing, she's like, that flower reminds me of Roger. Right? And, oh, I wish I could see this with Roger. And then, like, I mean, Roger, 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 Roger. We always pick Roger. Anybody named Roger? That's why we always pick it. <laughs> um, one time, there was a Roger, and I was like, I want to die. Um, but like, you know, it's like that girl that's in puppy love, and she's like, Roger, 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 Roger. She's satisfied. She's satisfied by that relationship. And so all she talks about is what is satisfying her heart. And it's Roger, right? But how cool would it be if that was us and Jesus, right? And so... It wasn't just, I mean, obviously we don't want to be like, sappy, right? Like, like at some point people are like, Jesus, 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 you know, like, Roger, Roger, Roger. But, you know, if you're so satisfied by the Lord that, like, you're hanging out with your friends and you do go to a movie, right? And it's like, not, not the new Christian movie, but you go like, a normal movie, but then you leave and you're like, man, that one scene, like, that made me think of this, this thing that Jesus said in the Bible, I don't know if it's ever happened to you guys. It happens to me a lot. Some of the best conversations I have sharing the gospel is like after I read some stupid book or watch some stupid movie, right? But it's like something in there resonates with what God has said in scripture and like you're hanging out with your last friend and you're like, man, but I wish you could read like the really good story in the Bible because like they kind of ripped it off, um, you know? Like, and then they're like, what? And man, you get to like share the gospel and they actually want to hear it. Super, super cool. Um, so we glorify what satisfies us, right? And, and if you are not sure what satisfies you, like ask your best friend, 
<laughs> right? Because they'll tell you what you talk about and what makes you happy. They really will. And if you have a good best friend, they'll be straight with you. Um, but, like, they'll tell you. And, and sometimes, you know, like, that's how I learned I like to run. I know I like to run, but I really like to run. Because <laughs> I have this one friend, she's like, man, I love hanging out with you. But, like, if, we were, if we're hanging out and somebody comes by or, like, at coffee or somebody, something, and somebody asks you about, like, how your last race was, then, like... I just sit there for 45 minutes. <laughs> and the, she was right, right? Because there's just something about running, apparently, that satisfies me. Um, and so I was like, maybe I need to work on that, be more sensitive to that, right? But I think it, it applies to all of us that there's things that satisfy us, and we need to be aware if that's not first and, like, ultimately Jesus. Um, and so it tells us we need to take up our cross daily, Um so following, and what I put for this is, is like really kind of a simple thing. Following requires radical obedience, right? My husband put it this way. Um, he says obedience is God's love language. I don't know if you guys have heard of the five love languages. Like some people like quality time. Some people like gifts, right? Some people like acts of service or words of affirmation. I don't get those ones at all. But for those people, I love you. Um, <laughs> like, but there's those. But God's love language, what he receives if you really want to love on him, isn't worship. And like I said, I'm a musician. I like to stand and like sing to Jesus and like belt it all day. But he would so much rather me obey him than sing him any song or write him any song, right? Um, he would so much rather me obey him than do a million acts of service or give thousands of dollars. He would just so much rather me obey him. And that starts, you guys, with this, the Bible, right? You got to know it. You got to read it and see what's in it. So you know how to obey it. Cool. Um, and so that's really like like the simplest thing. And there's more we could say about that. But just if we're truly going to follow Christ, we have to be determined that we'll obey him even when it's inconvenient. And so I'm going to kind of um, finish the story because I told you guys, I kind of started with you guys, the story of moving to Memphis and getting there and God speaking about he didn't move me there to be comfortable, Right. Which is not, like, that's uncomfortable because you, you don't want to, like, spend your whole life in a city where you feel like you don't fit and that God knew it. <laughs> so, like, right? Um, but I really feel like he spoke that. And through that process and me trying to, like, pray and talk to him about that and be like, okay, Lord, what are you doing here? Like, what are you doing with this? Um, we, in our Chi Alpha, studied through the book of John. Because I tend to be bookish, I read a ton of books. I like to write primarily songs, but somehow... At some point, somebody thought I liked to write anything. Um, I was doing weekly our life group Bible studies, and I was, like, writing so that our student leaders could teach their life groups through the book of John. And in a million and one ways, it was super cool. But you guys, um, we hit the summer, so life groups aren't even really happening at this point. Um, they're on pause, and they're going to pick back up in the fall. But I'm still studying through the book of John. Um, my husband left the country. He was, like, in Dominican Republic, um, my kids were in bed one night and I like opened my Bible and I got to the very end of the book of John and the very end of the book of John there's this story and it I mean it wrecked me um, so I'm just going to read it to you i got to find exactly where we're at um, so this is where Jesus is reinstating Peter okay and they're having this conversation after Peter's denied him and he's saying um, feed my sheep feed my sheep right um and then he goes on and he describes 
kind of the end of Peter's life, and it's not going to be great, right? He says some really discouraging stuff, not like, I didn't move you here not to be comfortable. He says this, I tell you the truth, when you were young, so this is John 21, 18, tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Y'all, that's heavy. That's heavy. That's saying, like, the end of your life is going to be tough. Follow me. Like, that's what Jesus is saying in way more words, in way heavier words. And it says this, and this is the part that wrecked me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple that Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter said, Jesus, what about him? Right? So what happened is Peter and Jesus are talking, right? Jesus says this heavy thing, and he asks him to follow him. And he sees John, turns and sees John, and he says, Lord, what about him? Right? He's told me that in my life, what's the end of his life? Um, which, like, don't we like to ask that question, right? But Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. And, like, I promise just in the context of um, being in a place that was really uncomfortable, still being in a place that was really uncomfortable, feeling like the Lord um, had me there. You know, I look at, like, all of my other friends, my mom friends, like, they're settled in. They have real jobs. I have a real job, y'all. But, like, in adult world when you're a missionary, everyone's like, are you going to get a real job? I'm like, nope. Um, nope, this is, what, this is what I do. And it is, like, y'all, it's a job. But, but sometimes that's, that's what, um, but I was, like, looking at all that. And, you know, and it was like, I was Peter looking at John saying, Lord, what about him? And Lord was like, it doesn't matter. And kind of like the way I put it in my head is it doesn't matter, nosy pants. Like, like, what is that to you? Your job is to follow me. And so I'm going to kind of leave that with you guys as a challenge, right? That it's like even in those instances where Jesus is calling you to something and like you might even look at your best friend because Peter and John, they traveled together for a while. I think they were tight, right? But even in the instance that like Jesus is calling you, you can't even look at your best friend and be like, well, are they coming? Because he's like, I'm not concerned in my relationship with you about me and them, <coughs> right? I'm concerned in my relationship with you about me and you, right? And that needs to be our con- concern. And you guys, it's one of those things that like, it blew my mind. Um, these two will tell you, it blew my mind so much that I tattooed it on my foot. So I won't forget, because like I said, I'm hard-headed. <laughs> But, it, but it's one of those things that, like, literally, I wake up every morning. This is not saying get tattoos. Cool. This is just how I processed it. Um, <laughs> but I wake up every morning, and I see that, and it causes me to pause and to stop and to pray and be like, hey, God, today, I'm not going to worry about them. Like, they're going to do them, right? Whoever. The people I love, the people I don't get, whoever. They're going to do their life. But, like, my job today is to follow you. And every morning I wake up and just remind myself, like, my job today, Jesus, is to follow you. It's not to follow the world. It's, it's not to follow, you know, even what's cool in Christian culture. It's just to follow Jesus. And that takes spending time with him. Like we talked about intimate relationship. It takes spending time with him. It takes obeying him. So i got to know his word because I cannot follow him if I don't know where he's leading. And, like, you guys, like, sometimes we want him to speak, but it's, like, it's here. <laughs> 
it's here. Some of it's just here. And if we just read this and get to know it, like he already did, <laughs> we just got to like read it. Um, right. So we have to obey him. But like our job is just to follow, whether it's convenient or not. Um, so I just want to like pray for us real quick. Um, and thank you guys. I know it's after lunch, right? It's after lunch, and this room is abnormally warm, but, like, savor it. Because when you walk out of these doors, you will freeze again. <laughs> and then you will be like, I, w- I missed that room. I might be here, like, late tonight after the service. I just might be back in this room with my um, But, yeah, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for these students and these staff, Lord God. And I thank you, um, God, that... You're already working on their heart. If they're in here, if they saw the title Inconvenient Jesus and they decided to come, Lord, you're already doing something in their life. And uh, so, Lord, I give you glory for that. But, Lord, I just really pray that you would teach all of us, me included. God, help us just to follow you, just to look to you, just to follow where you lead. Not to look around at anything else, but Jesus, be determined. As for me, I'm going to follow you. And God, I just give you glory and honor and praise and pray that you continue to have your way through the rest of this day in the SALT conference and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.